Hello and welcome back, everybody, to the From Lost to Light podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Michelle. Hello there. Hello. And then we are here again with Wendy from our previous episode. And I don't know about you guys. I've just been enamored by her interview and... I couldn't stop thinking about it. Yeah. I'm sitting on pins and needles waiting to hear the rest. Yes. Yeah. So, and I know she's going to be just diving into the rest of her story. And this is where the light in her soul just really came. And in, in case you're a listener and you're new to our podcast, if you missed the first episode on Wednesday Cooper, you can go back and listen to that first and then join us for this one, because it'll all make more sense if you listen to that one first. Yes, yes. So without further ado, Wendy, tell us about the light. Hi. <laughs> it's I, good I to be back. Yeah. <laughs> I think where we left off, you had met somebody that in the doctor's office. Yes, at, at Heartland Family Services. And I want all of you to know that I'm okay, because I know that so many, so many good humans, so, so beautiful that you feel for me and for others. So I just want you to know, just remember, I don't live back there now. I'm right here and I'm good. Thank you for Telling us that, yeah, for sure, yes. reminding us. Yeah, the most and and the most important thing is, and what my teacher has taught me is that we take every experience that we've ever been through, and we bring the sunshine with us, like the trees carry it in the leaves, and to live here and now, because it's good to visit, but it's good to be here and now, so we don't miss anything today. Yes, beautiful. Okay, so like I so we're, let me just. Get right back into it. It always takes me a second. As I was telling you, so I had been quite a mess of a woman. I was 29 years old at that point. I did have my own apartment. I had some help from a friend who had been an ex-boss who had helped me kind of during some of that time. So I was uh, had my own apartment uh, at that time, and I met Heartland Family Services, and I'd been through three counselors and had that beautiful person um, tell me I looked familiar. And so I had the opportunity at that time. So my, my, the counselor that I had currently had said, Wendy, you get a new counselor. Is there anyone in particular who you'd like? Because, you know, I had been around there for a while. And they now call me their miracle because no one, they felt like no one recovered from methamphetamine back there and especially demon possession. So I'll take that name. <laughs> I said, there is this person that I saw that I would like to be my counselor. And they said, oh, she just arrived. Okay. And I said, yeah, I had just seen her. And they're like, yeah, she just got here. <clears throat> so her name was Alicia. And uh, for four months... Um, I will tell you that uh, even, so she was my counselor for four months, and that was in, the, in March of 2002 is when she first started working with me, and she stayed with me until the end of June of 2002, and during our sessions together, I will tell you that I was not able to maintain sobriety until after she left. But during our time, we never, I remember her asking me at some point if I wanted to address the abuse. And I said, no. But she was always very patient and kind. 
with me and she was very honest with me and she began the process of me realizing that I was not hopeless and that I was not in trouble. At this point, I did not believe in a real-life Jesus. I just did not understand who Jesus was. I just knew that there was this God and that I was in big trouble, and he wanted nothing to do with me. Uh, <laughs> 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 Which is so funny. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just hearing you say that. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> right. <laughs> because he created me for things such as these. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So during that time, I was still in and out of using, but I, I, she was just teaching me like, it's like, so been so long ago, that was 20, you know, like 21 years ago. And that I first got with, got with her. But I remember we didn't talk about God or Jesus or any of those things, but I just remember the unconditional love that she gave me and the feeling she would let me come anytime. So she was my safe, she was my safe spot. Like I could just show up and I'd be like, hi. And she'd be like, you know, because I don't know if you guys know this yet about me, but I have a lot of energy. <laughs> um, I can feel it. Yeah. And I was, I had no one, like everyone had, had left me and I felt alone and I had felt more alone now because not only was I all of those things I was prior uh, to my addiction, but now I was all of those other names that they called me on top of all of the things from childhood. So I felt pretty shitty as a human being. And uh, they reinforced that with me. Foster parents, family members, and not all my family, but, you know, the family I needed. And she was the one person who, when I would say something, she'd say, you are not. Stop that. You are good. You couldn't even take care of yourself. You are kind. You care for others. You are a ray of sunshine when you walk in the room. Did you know that you always give up your chair for your neighbor? Do you know that you give everyone around you compliments? I said, what? And she said, I see all of those things. You are beautifully created. So the things that she started telling me, I remember when I got to 30 days sober, I was riding a bike, I was 29, and I was riding a bike, and everyone's like, I had started working at Catherine's Catering, God bless Catherine, she visits all the time and helps me now. She, But I would ride my bike, and I had these beautiful co-workers that I was bonding with, I was bonding with humans, like, for the first time. And people are like, Wendy, you should not be riding that bike, you're all butterflies and sunshine, and just like, a kid. <laughs> like a lifestyle like you just hi so it's like for the first time in my life I was starting to like like me like I I'm okay oh my god like and I remember like I started seeing color again like I hadn't seen color for so long she planted hope 
Yeah. And I remember, like, I'd made poor decisions when I was under the effects of the drug still, because, you know, I wasn't staying sober. So there would be that little, I would still, you know, and I would make a decision and I would do things and she wouldn't get mad. She would say, Winnie, let's protect you from doing that again. She helped me make signs for like if like my my friends, my friends who are also addicts and drug dealers, you know, they if they would come to my door, I had signs everywhere. If if such and such comes to the door, you need to tell them, my probation officer's on the way. I'm sorry, I can't open the door right now. Or I I don't use drugs anymore. I'm getting my children back, you know, because I had forgotten those basic things and how, you know, because those were the only, you know, those, you know, those were my, those were like, I had forgotten. I'd forgotten how to live. So she was teaching me not only that I am beautiful and lovely and that I am good and that I am innocent and that everything that I had done, I did because I was hurting. And if... Only I could see myself as she saw me, which is a child. I could grow. Four months, those heavenly blue eyes helping me. And she told me, she said, you know, it's about time for me to go. And I said, oh, I don't want you to go. And she said, you are doing really well. And I remember the last time I talked to her, I had been sober for 30 days and had gotten pulled over on the way camping. And when I got pulled over, they did like, I, I wasn't driving. I was in the back seat. So me and this guy were in the back seat and this other couple was in the front seat and we were getting ready to go to Little Sioux Camping. And they got pulled over for not having a taillight or whatever. And they're like, oh, let me just run everyone's IDs. Well, they got to mine and, you know, I was used to it at that point. And they said, ma'am, are you Wendy Sorensen, which is my maiden name? And I said, yes. And they're like, well, you have an old warrant from Sarpy County in Douglas County. And I was like, oh, okay. And I had used that day a little bit. Just I had 30 days sober and had used with these people I was hanging out with. 30 days sober. Lovely and beautiful. These people who I thought were okay. Like he offered me, like this guy was offered me. And I said, well, I'll just do a line. You know. Half an hour later, in the car going camping, get pulled over, right? Wow. God is good. So got pulled over, went to jail, ended up, started in Douglas County, made it through three counties in 10 days, was in Sarpy County. And, you know, I had started, like, at that point, like, reading a Bible and had started, like, wondering about, like, I was like, like I was starting to like wake up from asleep, you know, because of this beautiful counselor who was helping me. And I remember being in Sarpy County and saying on my knees, just saying, I am so tired. I'm so tired. And I said, if you let me out, if you help me, if you do whatever, just help me, I promise I will never do drugs again. I got bonded out. Wow. That's amazing. Call, but I had called my counselor, though. But when I had got to Douglas County, 
I remember calling my counselor, Alicia, and I, it was in the evening, which Heartland Family Services, for one, isn't open in the evening. And I'd called my, I'd called like my counselor, like the, the number, and she answered. And she said, just breathe. Because I was hyperventilating in the holding cell, because here I was again, here I was again. And she said, just breathe. You're going to be okay. And that's the last time I heard her voice. Got out of Sarpy County and never did methamphetamine again. Yay! Congratulations on that one. <laughs> yes. So that was at July 27th of 2002. So I got out, I got out, but unfortunately I'd had many other charges that I was still facing and but I had st- started seeing my children again. Had a had a good relationship with you know, it was good. <laughs> good. <laughs> I did not have a good, but I was, you know, we were spending time together. My children, you know, were getting older too. But was able to spend time with them. Had 9 months sober when I uh, got sentenced to 7 months in prison. Um, but I'm going to stop there because I want to I just want to talk a little bit about my spirituality for a second. So, listening to stayed with me for four months through my beautiful counselor, had to leave me to go help others because I want everyone to remember what I said last couple weeks ago is life is a lesson and we have a wonderful, gentle teacher helping us along the way. And that teacher, you guys, is alive And my Jesus may look a little bit different than your Jesus. And the lessons that Jesus has been teaching me over the last 20 years are things like, I have a whole page of them and hopefully we get to them. But if we don't get to them, I talk all about them on my YouTube channel. But I need you to remember that Jesus doesn't care if we love him. Loving him was easy. Loving me was the hard part. So everything he did was to help me to love me so then I could go on to love myself and everyone else. And loving him is just a bonus. So Alicia left, stayed with me from March of June, had to go on to help other people, and I got sober, and I was alive, and I was so good, and so happy, and so wonderful, and I remember I worked for Catherine's Catering, and I lived in her house across the street from where she has this old church on 8th and Broadway, and so I lived, she said, one day we have this house, it's just been completely restored, we would love for you to live in that home, because I worked a lot, like, I, that was my safe spot, that was my happy spot, you know, I worked a lot, and I went back and forth, because I'd sometimes cook in the morning, and then serve in the afternoon, and all this stuff, so I had this beautiful little home, and it was, Mar- I, I remember, so one night, and <clears throat> it was, I'll tell you the date when I'm done, because I think that's pretty important, but I remember one night, I, it was springtime, and I remember going to bed, and I had this cute little bedroom, and the house was very sunshiny, so I fell asleep, and I remember in my, in my sleep, 
I, I would call it a dream, I guess. And I was standing, like all of a sudden here I am just standing and there's this door in front of me and this, it's an open door and there's flames flowing out at me, flowing and flowing and flowing. And I remember thinking, oh my God, it felt so good. It was so good. It was so good. It was so good. And this open door of just flames coming upon me, light. And I remember I woke up in the morning and I heard birds chirping. And I thought, oh my God, I'm not alone. It was March 20th of 2003. I don't know if you are familiar, and I'm not like a big big Bible person now. I really, truly feel like spirituality comes from within. But um, Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you open, I will forever live with you and you with me. That was the date. Wow. I have goosebumps. Me too. Wow. I'm just sitting here just absorbing all this. I can't really. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Me either. I'm just like. I'm uh. just like, okay, what's next? <laughs> so Jesus left to go help others in June of 2002. I was blooming and growing and happy. And March 20th of 2003, I was baptized with the Holy Spirit as I slept. On the first day of spring, 320, I was sentenced to prison a month later for seven months. And nine months sober under my belt. And they're like, who is this little girl here in prison? She wakes up with her Bible. She goes to bed with her Bible. She's Jesus. She just loves Jesus, right? Because I was like, I... I knew, like, I'm, oh my God, like, I'm, I love, like, and I was still grieving, like, the loss of Alicia, you know, because she meant so much, but, you know, I had to let her go so my forever counselor, the Holy Spirit, could come, right? Does that make mm-hmm. sense, you guys? Oh, 100%, yes. yeah. <clears throat> so, went through many years, so got out of prison in November of 2003. Can I ask yeah. where... We're at what prison? Yeah, I went to York, Nebraska. All my charges were in Nebraska. Okay. And my charges, I can hear you guys. I'm an empathic medium. I think I told you that before. So I can hear, I can feel you. I can't like hear your thoughts as you're sitting here, but I can feel your emotions and I can feel your questions even from where you are there in your living room is what did I go to prison for? I went to prison for three counts of felony forgery. I wrote bad checks for my drug dealer. He just used me. So yeah, so I would get like... That seems minor. I would just get sicker. I would just get sicker. <laughs> I mean, and he, you know, to me, that just seems minor compared yeah. to, yeah, what some people do. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the story, your your whole story. Yeah, exactly. So I got. I remember. So I I got out of prison, and which is so far removed from me now. So these things that I talk about, and like when Michelle first asked me to be on this podcast, I'm like, oh my goodness, I do not know because I do not live back there. Like I am not like, and I think so many um, of us, us in general, that's me and you guys, is that you are so. You, someone is keeping you hostage in the past or you're keeping yourself hostage in the past and you have not forgiven yourself because that's another thing. I want you to guys to know this. God is not holding you accountable. Jesus is not holding you accountable. They are not up there judging you. They are not harsh rules. They are not strict. They are, the, these rules and these things that we have on this earth of gay is bad. If you don't make a lot of money, you're not good. 
these weird political things, you guys, that is all man-made. Adam and Eve, let's talk about Adam and Eve for a second. So from way back in the day, man has twisted the truth to control other human beings, to repress and to, to gain control. And that is not God, and that is not Jesus, and that is why I'm here, is to remind each and every one of you that God, you when you came into this world, you're at one with God. You are not separated. You're not a sinner. God did not create sin. Jesus did not create sin. Humans did. Okay? So, Adam and Eve, I want you to know that God became man as Adam. And as he stood there on his beautiful earth as a man, he said, it's time to create life. I'm about to create my wife. And as he took energy from himself and formed this beautiful little thing, as she came to be, she looked up to he. And she's like, hi. And he looks at her with all the love in the world. And he said, oh my, this is life. My beautiful little wife, who he knew more than she knew herself. And when she looked upon him, she wasn't quite sure. You know, she came to be as an adult, not a baby or a child. He came to be as an adult. All of a sudden, here they are. And she had lots of questions. And she looked to him for the answers. And he knew his wife. So the story, the truth, be told, they were not in trouble. They were, he was God. Does that make sense? from the beginning. Wow. Deep breaths. <laughs> Always remember that you have been given your own head and your own heart. God is in you are. God is in you. He's not out there. He's not in a building. He's not in some written law. He's not in re repression and rules. He's within you. And everything that my teacher, I call him the Lord, I've known him as many names, Alicia, Jesus, Adam, Franklin, my last counselor, the name changes, but God remains the same. The only lesson of this life, you guys, is if you can learn to love and embrace yourself, like I said at the beginning of this all, you will never have the need to make fun of judge, laugh at, 
mock, ridicule another human being because you know when you do that, there's something inside of you that's wrong. Wow. <sighs> Jesus knows no religion. God is not angry. God is good, and so are we. We are not separated. We are one. Even the, even the people, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that, because even with my own life, let's think about my life now that you've heard. Put your arms out as far as you can, and on one side is light brightest light you've ever known and then on the other side of your arm is the darkest night ever and throughout this life move your hand back and forth on the spectrum based on your experiences your struggles the goods the bads and the uglies you go on various points of the spectrums right sometimes you're good sometimes it's bad Sometimes it hurts, and sometimes you're mad. Our God and our living, amazing, relevant, how Jesus looks to me may be different. I don't want to share my Jesus with you. I like my own relationship with him. You, have, you can have your own, but their only job is to get us back to the light. And don't worry about anyone else's spectrum, you guys. What are you doing? What about you? Your only job, your only assignment is to fall in love with you today. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. You're speaking to me. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. Do you have any questions? Where were we? Where do you want me to go now? I have so much more. Well, you said something that I have personal experience where I can I can see where you you said holding we are holding ourselves in the past. Yeah. And as you said that, mm -hmm. and most of our listeners probably know my story by now. You know, my mm -hmm. husband Joe was killed by a drunk driver and and I wrote this book, Better Not Bitter. Yeah, I love it. Read it in one night, Michelle. Yeah, A Journey from Heartache to Healing. And in the book, I, I write about that I thought I had given forgiveness. Mm -hmm. I thought, thought I had through my those years. And it wasn't until I met this wonderful lady, Carrie, who was on our last week's, or a couple weeks ago on the podcast, until I met her that I really realized that I hadn't actually... Mm -hmm gotten to that point of forgiveness right but through the course of writing my book and meeting her I found my way to forgiveness right and it was as if I I'd always could picture myself with one foot in Joe's grave and one foot trying to struggle to go forward in life mm -hmm. but it was at that moment that I gave myself the gift of forgiveness yeah. because forgiving others is really our gift to ourselves. Mm -hmm. that I pulled that foot out of the grave out of Joe's grave and I was able to finally go forward it's exactly what you were just saying. Yeah, it's true. Been there, done that. Right. And you know, the, the drunk driver, 
is a human too. As you were telling your story about the the person inside you at the last podcast, person inside you, and I think I t- I brought up, you know, it's as if that person that that person that's the addict was holding that injured little girl down. Yeah. That's when I finally was able to find my way to forgiveness. Yeah. I had to find the grace inside me to see that the drunk driver that killed Joe was really a very sick individual. Right. True. And she didn't wake up that day and say, oh, I think I'll go kill somebody today. Right. And and her own trauma and her own things that she has to deal with. And I, you know, I would even hope that she would hear, like, I just want everyone to hear, you know, and that that's my only... That's my only thing is I, I never want to be in vain. I want as many people to hear and to heal. So, you know, so that's just to help. And so that's so true. And, and you know, it shows all over you. Forgiveness does. Well, you know, I, I think about there's people that probably lose their spouse in situations like that and they don't find their way and then they become ill. Right. It's true. It, yeah. It's and true. that's why... Finding the center of ourselves to find forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Because I I probably was still ill with my foot in the grave. I know I was. I wasn't living my best life. Right. And now I'm more free. Right. I'm free. Right. You know, I have a a list here, all, all of the teachings here in front of me. Angie, did you have something you wanted to say to me first? No. Okay. Okay. I'm just listening. I'm just, you know, just, yeah. I feel like the only thing I would say is, you know, when you talk about that, and I I mentioned, you know, off mic earlier, but I mean, our listeners know my sister-in-law died from alcoholism. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she did that after my husband, her brother had died. My husband died from cancer and she just really couldn't deal with any of it, you know, and her, her way of dealing and she... She did not have a belief system in her whatsoever. And so her turning towards alcohol was, in her eyes, I feel like a gift to herself. And, you know, she just she just said, well, I, I can't deal with my brother's death. And, you know, so I don't know. Everything you're saying, a lot of what I'm hearing, mm-hmm. it just takes me to Brooke right. and her alcoholism. So, so I think where I left off with my story and I want to, I want to, I'm going to share, I want to go back to my story because I went back down in the valley okay. and was in the valley for seven more years after a long stretch of being on the mountain. But I want to talk a little bit because we're using the word dead a lot and I've used the word hell. So I want to cover those two things really, really important. And then you just kind of keep me on, on track there. Okay, Michelle. Okay. okay. So, and I think it's important that you guys know that everything that I teach you is from my commune, from the time that I spend, because I did have time with Jesus in the physical world, but most of my time, and I've had two accounts with him. And the second one I'm going to get to here after I fell into the valley for a seven year span when he met me in Pensacola which is to where I am now, but hell. So everything that, everything that I'm teaching you is from my time that I spend in what I call my Zen space, which is my office that I spend with Jesus. We can all go there. 
I just, for me, it's going into an office where I meet with him, and that is where how I cultivate my spirituality is different than how you spend, how you cultivate yours. There is no right or wrong way to a personal relationship with your center, with creation, with the universe, with Mother, Father, God, with Jesus, however you state that is beautiful and unique. You're not wrong. You're not in trouble. Remember, the only law of life is if I'm not hurting me and I'm not hurting you or any living creature, it's not wrong. So who we lie in our bed with is not wrong. How much money I make is not wrong. What's wrong is if I hurt a child for my own selfish gain or an animal or another human or if I'm so busy snicker-snattering about you or you or you, that means that you've got work to do and that you're mean. That means you're on his list, his list of self-love. But I have talked about hell, and I want you to know that hell, and there's a really good book that you could read called The Magdalene Diaries, read it. Yeah. <laughs> they did a pretty good job. It's that will really help you to get to know Jesus. Mary Magdalene is alive and well and loves him with all of her heart and the goal is always to let you get to know who he really is. Okay, so that uh, the Magdalene diaries. Michelle, maybe you can put a link or something. Um, yeah, Angie will. <laughs> or Angie will. Angie will. So, so hell is not okay. So we, once again, let's go back to back to all of those years ago when Adam and Eve, the story got twisted and all of a sudden, you know, Eve is this horrible, oh, this horrible person that just suckered her husband into eating this apple and all hell broke loose. It's, it's a bunch of bull crap. They, they wrote that and they taught that to control us. It is not true. Same with all of these early teachings that they filled. You know, the Bible was changed. It was altered. You know, if there is anything in, in a written word about hate, about segregation, that is not God. Okay? That is not Jesus. That is none of it. So those things have been changed from the get-go. But oftentimes they did it as a form of fear. You know, if we get them to fear, they will comply. And they will go by our set of rules, right? Fish swimming down the river, right? No commotion. Just go where you're going. That way we're easily controllable. Okay? So uh, they scared us. Scared the heck out of us, didn't they? By telling us that there is this God. And this God is going to put us in hell unless we find Jesus. Unless we follow all of these rules and we don't swear. I don't know about you, but sometimes it just feels good to say it to say the S word. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's already in your head anyway. <laughs> it's okay. You know what? Because I told Jesus one time, I'm like, sometimes I swear. And he, you know what he said to me? He said, well, don't we all? And I was like, thank God. I feel so, feel so repressed all the time. But so when he, so when he told me and what hell is a place. So remember my dad. Okay. Let's think of my dad. So my dad passed by suicide, two failed marriages, an alcoholic, addicted to drugs, bipolar, you know, didn't manage his money well. And he sexually, sexually molested his daughter, me, maybe the other girls, right? 
When he left this earth, he put himself in chains in a very gray, dark area, cold and gray. And he is in chains. And all around him are all of these other people who have put themselves in chains and in chains and in chains because of what they have done in this life. And then here we are on earth, a talking crap, horrible, not forgiving, talking terrible. And they can hear, you guys, there is no such thing as dead. Humans have started, you know, have used the word dead. Oh, they're dead. Is Jesus alive? Yes. Everyone else is alive too. People who have left this earth are more alive than we are. Remember, life is a lesson. They do not like when we use the word dead. And you know, they'll come to me if I've had contact with you. They'll come to me if they can't get to you. I don't want anyone coming to me. I want them to go to you. And grieving and missing is normal. And it's the hardest emotion, isn't it, to miss to miss seeing, to miss talking to. And we get so caught up in how they left that we forget about the life they lived. And remember, once they leave, it's like they don't remember the feeling of how they left. Even if it was long-term cancer, even if it was a, a plane crash and it took a while. When they, it's like having a cold. You had a cold three months ago. Oh my God, when you had that cold, it was the worst. You felt like crap, horrible, right? Not okay. But three months later, you're like, oh, yeah, I had that really bad cold. But you remember it, mm-hmm. but you don't, you don't feel it. Yeah. Just remember that. The people who have left earth are more alive and more helpful to you than anyone on earth. And they miss you, too. And they visit and they love you. And when you are struggling, you know what that means? They have to come right up to you and struggle with you. So as we make our way through grief, think how I feel. I remember I spent time with and have to go on without him on earth. Make your way through grief and bring them along. Go on a walk. Get in your Zen place. Close your eyes and picture their face. Hear their voice, smell the way they smell. See him waving at you, I love you. I'm right here. I never help anyone communicate. I'm not, I don't want to. My job is to teach you how. So my dad and so many other people, because of their lesson of living on earth, have put themselves in what I call the shadow lands. In Here we are on earth too talking, so that's crushing them and crushing them and pushing them down and pushing them down. And all, you know, when Jesus left on the cross that day, you know where he went? He went and freed the souls. Took them all up. And then now they put them all, new people have put themselves down over the last 2,000 years. He took them all up. Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands And over the last 2,000 years, the Shadowlands has got busy. So my, so what I did is when I finally realized, when I finally fell in love with myself, 
in 2019 and 2020 during my last time with Jesus in Pensacola where changed my life. I went, I forgave my dad and I saw him as a child, as a child. I see all of us now as children. When I take like group pictures, like for my cooking classes and things, all I see is kindergarten classes. We're all kids. We're all, that, and you know what? That makes forgiveness easy. Mm-hmm. I, I had, I went, I saw, I saw my dad as a child and I went down to the Shadowlands and I said, I forgive you. I love you. You're okay. And I said, you can go. Go, Dad. And he looked up and he went. He was there for 20-some years. Forgiveness is important. Wow. It's huge. Hell on earth, we put ourselves there. Hell after leaving earth, we put ourselves there. And I can hear you asking me, what about the bad people? What about Hitler? What about the darkness? What about that darkness when it came to get you? That was very real. That he, he was very real. Number one is remember, what's your job? Do you remember your job, your only job? Love ourselves. Stay on your spectrum. You don't want to be God. But God will take and he will help every soul remember that light side of the spectrum. Because from where we all came, we all shall return. And your job is not to decipher that. Of course, you can protect your children and yourself from harm. I have a wonderful YouTube video called Boundaries Are Beautiful. I forgive, but I set boundaries because, you know, Jesus is logical too. He may have a heart of gold. He may have the most beautiful blue eyes, dark hair, strong hands, kind heart, but he's also the most logical. Can you imagine running this place? Just think how him and God feel on the daily. Mercy. (laughs) So hell is not a place our God puts us. It's Jesus' job to get us out here on earth and there. And remember that dead is not a word we need to use anymore. Anything but that. Because it's like having a door shut for your people. Dead is trash can. Dead is something we throw away, right? That is something, a flower petal that we put in sway in the wind. Energy, life energy goes on and on and on. I don't know how we're doing. How are we doing? We're doing great. (laughs) I don't know. I'm just still sitting here just absorbing everything that you're saying and my brain cannot keep up with it. (laughs) I don't know that I'm going to have time to go on to the whole Pensacola story, but I think it's important to know that you guys, so when I got out of prison and I had many good years, I started a nonprofit organization called In Jesus Name Services, and I helped everybody. And I helped, I actually worked with people who, you know, like, 
people who suffered from pedophilia. I worked with addicts and alcoholics. I worked with people coming out of prisons. I worked with the homeless. I worked with everyone. And you know why I did? And I didn't charge any money. And I ran that nonprofit from 2004 to 2010. And, and I just wanted everyone to feel loved. I wanted everyone to know that you are good enough. You are wonderful. Do not, I always tell, tell everyone, please do not ever compare yourself to me. And now for all of the people who are like, man, one day, she's, now you know the rest of the story. <laughs> That's all I, all I want. So I ran that nonprofit for many years, went to college, uh, went, started Iowa Western in 2006, and then uh, just went to college from 2006 until 2015 and earned double degrees the whole way. Earned my master's degree in human services with minors in psychology and marketing. In 2015, graduated with my master's, started teaching at Iowa Western. Four days later, Bill Ricketts is the department chair for Iowa Western, and I meant when I was in college there, I was his only intern he's ever had in the history of our, and I was co-teaching with him college classes as an undergrad, and I said the best education I ever got was from Iowa Western Community College, and I said I'm going to teach here one day, and so they were they had my position ready, and I've been teaching there ever since, and obviously I'm not your normal teacher, I teach people how to be human, good humans. Met my husband in 2009, many wonderful years of love and of light and of growing. But I still, I'm going to tell you, I, you know, I still did struggle with self-esteem at that point. Because remember, Jesus didn't just come and heal me in those four months. That was just the beginning. Because remember, what did I not talk about in counseling? I didn't talk about the abuse. Mm -hmm. So I was still there. So I met my husband in 2009, my husband, still my husband, long story, but started drinking just occasionally and not much at all. You know, it wasn't a problem, like much, just a little bit, that little guy, you know, he was just like a little stretch, right? <laughs> so 2009, maybe started drinking a little bit in 2010, but just like that social drinking kind of thing. And in 2012 was quite the year for me in 2012, October 6th, I got married to my husband. And but my husband traveled, my husband and son, Bryant was living with us at the time, they traveled out of town. So I got married, my husband and son, which were my best friends, were gone nine months out of the year, we'd moved from Council Bluffs to Omaha, and I was very active in the human services arena. And like after work, I would, you know, volunteer my time, but had moved to Northwest Omaha. And I had to take care of our dog because my husband was out of town. So by the time I got home, I didn't feel like going back. And I remember I was lonely. And I remember the first time, like, I picked up a six-pack of Coors Light. And I'm like, I'll just have a Coors Light while I make dinner, you know. And I, I'm a chef, so I, you know, so I would just be making food. And Coors Light became my new best friend. And then in 2012, my sister, my baby sister, she's 17 years younger than me, Ashley Jane, she moved away. She was my best buddy. And me and my husband, Bryant, and her used to hang out and do all sorts of cool stuff. And we had another friend who was my good buddy, too. His name was Eddie, and he passed away in November of a drug driving accident, suffered all night. So he left. And then three months later, my best work friend, Nancy, passed away of cancer. So in a three-month period, three-month period, life hit me in the face. And I was mad because I'm like, I was mad. I was lonely. I was angry. I was sad. I think I was just sad and lonely and depressed and isolated somewhat, you know. And I started drinking more and 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 more. And 
from 2013 to 2019, I became a raging alcoholic again. Tried to pass by suicide three times in August of 2018. Horrible things in my marriage going on and anger and resentment and bitterness. And my husband said, why don't you just kill yourself? And I said, you know what? As a matter of fact, I think I might. With a blood point alcohol of 0.22, I drove around the lake one last time. And I used to wear extensions. I used to have Botox and very insecure things, you know. And I remember I had to have my hair extensions in, you know, at that time. So, so damaged still. And I laid in my bed, locked the door, and took a very large amount of hydrocodone. And I said, I'm leaving. And I remember, my, I could remember Brandon being at the door. And then the squad coming to get me and waking up the next day, they had to resuscitate me. And as I opened my eyes in that hospital room, in a manual hospital, very ill, I looked in a chair and it looked like Alicia sitting there. And I said, what are you doing there? What are you doing here? I'm on suicide watch. I looked again and she was gone. My husband said, it's time. I'd been to Florida many times. He said, let's start over. Moved to Tampa, Florida in October of 2018. Not going to drink anymore. You know, that back to that, I'm not going to drink anymore. And, you know, I was pissed at God. I, I was so mad at God. You know, I had finally, like, gotten good with God. Like, I had finally, like hanging out with him, you know, because I, you know, Jesus is good, because Jesus is a female to me, you know, but I was okay with God. But then I was, I got so mad at Jesus and God for like, how could I have done so good for so many years? And first of all, why did you come and save me? And then why did you leave again? You know, pity, 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 pity is, pity is not okay, right? So pity and guilt and shame. So lived in Tampa, Florida, moved there October 2018 with all intentions of starting over, starting fresh, right? And alcohol. I remember being in our in our condo and unpacking and I'm like, I'm just going to get a six pack, okay, honey? And he's like, I thought we weren't going to do that. Well, long story short, we continued to drink in, in Tampa, Florida. July 2019, Tampa, Florida, still raging alcoholic had a job. I, you know, I couldn't get into the human service field down there. I couldn't do like counseling or social work. And I can hear you out there too. Oh my God, I, could you imagine her being a social worker or counselor at that time? <laughs> Believe me there. Yeah. Yeah. That guilt and shame as well. You know, Jesus handled that one slick too. And I saw him, but he, but I had a job and I had to drive for my job. I was a project coordinator for a roofing and storm damage service. So drinking from the time I wake up, could barely shower. I'm just sick. I remember like my bowels were mixed up. My, my, I was just sicker. That little man that I, he came, you know, seven years I'd been feeding him full time. I got a DUI. And I always knew that I was going to get one because I would call my car the drunk tank. Cause I, and I remember like listening to music and thinking about how much like I'd hear a song that would remind me of like Jesus and I remember thinking, yeah, I remember. I remember that. I remember the love. 
<sighs> Lauren Daigle sings a really good song about it. Mm-hmm. That song. I love her. That came out like right when I struggle. So got the DUI in Tampa, Florida. We hated Tampa, Florida. I don't know if you've ever been there. God bless Tampa, Florida, but it's a huge city and it is crazy and it was not okay for us. So we honeymooned in Pensacola, Florida in 2012. That's where we went for a honeymoon. So we decided my husband relocated and I was a college professor teaching three classes, substance abuse class, counseling, still doing that and moved to Pensacola, Florida on October 11th of 2019 and had not been sentenced yet, but had started the course to get into, you know, to be sentenced for my DUI. And I was petrified because, you know, this wasn't my first rodeo. And got to Pensacola, Florida. I'm going to do it this time. I had to start, you know, I had to start wearing like a breathalyzer, you know, and blowing and all of those things. But I didn't have to do that until October 24th. So I didn't want to drink, still drink. The first two weeks I was in Pensacola, Florida. But time was ticking for me because I knew I had to start the breathalyzer thing, but I still couldn't kick it, you know, because I'm an, I am an addict and it doesn't go away. You just put it to sleep. So I knew I had to get into counseling. That was, I had to get into outpatient treatment. And, you know, I hadn't seen Alicia since 2002, right? So I called, I just Googled. Substance abuse counseling, Pensacola, Florida. I was not familiar with the area, had never been there, had just honeymooned out on Pensacola Beach, was not familiar with the area at all. And got a hold of this place called the Summit Group. And I called and it was like the 28th of October. And I said, hi, my name is Wendy and I had a DUI and I have got to get into outpatient therapy. And they're like, okay. So they scheduled me an appointment. I said, I really need to see a female because, you know, I've got issues with men you know, and they're like, well, we don't have a female, but we have, we do have a new counselor. He's just arrived and he has openings. And I said, all right, I'll try him. Right. So made my appointment for Halloween, which Halloween's my favorite day of the year because I get to love seeing all those children happy. So I said, okay, I will come to this appointment on Halloween, but I need to be home to hand out candy to my to the kids, right? <laughs> so walked into the counseling office. He opens the door, and it is a dark-haired gentleman about my age with blue, blue eyes. And the first session that I was with him, I liked him. He felt so familiar, and I lied about everything except I told him. I said, I, I you know, I, I, I told him about a relationship that I was in, but at previous anyway. But I could not tell him the truth. Like I could not tell him, and so, but I had been like I was sober for a week when I had went in there. So left and thought I really want to come back here. You know, I really had a good time with him. He seemed so familiar, um, like I recognized him. And went back, so during that week's time, during, during that week's time, um, I used, the last time I ever used alcohol, I had the worst ever, had to come to Jesus, walked back into my counseling office, and he said, how are you? And I said, I'm good. And that day, he looked at me. And I told him everything. And I had seven sessions. And during that session, he said, 
it's so good to see you again. How are you, Wendy? I fell to the ground. I said, oh my God, it's you. I think Creed has a song, Hello, my friend. It's nice to see you again. And for seven sessions, he helped me to forgive myself, to forgive my husband, to forgive him. And all the teachings. So here I am. I am alive and well. And I want you to know that Jesus, relevant, alive, and well, if he so chose to help me, he wants to help everybody. And remember, if you fall back to the rules and the harshness, you come and see me so I can remind you that you are good that he is good, and that your neighbor is also good. Wow, Wendy, so, so, so thankful that you came to visit with Angie and I, and I'm sorry to say we're running out of time here. <laughs> well, we can always have a 3 p. you know, sometime. Yeah, we might have to come back. <laughs> I'm sure we probably got more things to talk about. Oh, for sure. The story is complete. The teachings go on and on and on. Yes, yes that's very true. <laughs> Before we wrap this up, um, two things. Yeah. One thing we like to end with, like a quote or a yeah. book or saying. Do you have anything you'd like to share with our audience? Yeah. So I I saw on the email that Andy had sent me that about songs. And, you know, I have a whole playlist and my playlist is available on my YouTube channel, Wildflowers and Honey. I think you can access it there. But over the course of time, you know, Jesus, I hear him sing to me in all the songs. I really only hear his voice now. But there's a song called Hands to Heaven. And that song was my time that I was away from him. And how much that I felt that I missed him, he missed me even more. So that song is all about reunification within myself and within him. Wow. And then the second song is Truly, Madly, Deeply by Savage Garden. <laughs> yeah. Because that is our future. Wow. And before we close, we'd like to take an opportunity for you to share just briefly about your business, your classes. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, so I so for those of you who have not been, so I own Deja Vu Bakery and Boutique that is located here in Council Bluffs. And what that is, I used to own Wendy's Kitchen Boutique, but I sold the restaurant part of what I did because I hate being in the kitchen all day. So right here in historic Council Bluffs at 136 South Main, right across the street from the Council Bluffs Library, is my beautiful French-inspired bakery and boutique. So it's all my pretty bakery things. It's shopping. It's all very Halloween-y and autumn-y right now. And then I also do cooking classes, charcuterie, 
and a wide variety of things. So, and you can find out about all of that and you can access my YouTube channel directly from Wednesday's Kitchen boutique.com make sure you you know get that a in my name or you'll never find me so yeah so that's what i'm up to and i just love seeing all of my people all of all of the wonderful people who come and see me every day and i'm just so grateful to do beautiful things for all you guys so thanks for being a part of my life well Well, we're and we'll i'll link everything so that way people have the correct spellings and everything i'll link that in the about page of the episodes so we will have that all available for you guys. But before we wrap up, I just wanted to give a little teaser out for our next guest that we're having. She happens to be har- from Shelby County, Harlan, too. Her name is Bets Bloom Jones. Very, very sweet lady. She has quite a story. The community up around Harlan really wrapped their arms around her. She, Her husband and her were putting, they, they owned a monument business, and they were putting a monument up. Oh, yes. And... It started to tip, and she tried to stop it, and she actually crushed her legs. And uh, she basically had to learn to walk again. But while she was in rehab, her husband died suddenly in a motorcycle accident. So she has quite a story. She, you know, had young two, two children still at home going to rehab and going through the grief process. But she has definitely found her light again, and she's got an incredible story. So I hope you'll join us in two weeks to, to hear Betsa's story. Yes, yes, for sure. So I just want to thank you, Wendy, for being here and just joining us on this journey of uh, lost to light, however that looks for anybody out there. So and I think you need to add a little bit at the end of this podcast about your you're, don't you have a sell going on or a surprise <laughs> well, just, for our listeners? <laughs> not a sell, but anybody that listens to our podcast can get 15% off on my website. And you go to www.butterfliesandhalos.com and, or my Etsy store and you just search Butterflies and Halos and type in Podcast 15 at checkout and... Yeah, you get a discount for listening. So I appreciate each and every one of you. So Well, that's great. And I'm just going to add a little blurb in here. I talked briefly today about my journey to find forgiveness to the drunk driver who took Joe's life. And my book can be found on Amazon, Better Not Bitter, A Journey from Heartache to Healing, but also Wednesday carries my book in her shop at Deja Vu in Council Bluff, so you can go in there directly and buy a book. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Bye.